0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to the Book of Psalms, uh, chapter one sixteen, I want to start there, and then I'll spend a little bit of time in Matthew. My thoughts will probably be brief this morning, but I did want to share a few things with you. I don't know if I if I were to title this sermon, I would probably title it uh, "Who Are You Going to Call?" Uh, and everybody in here uh, probably thinks about Ghostbusters, right? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call is what came into my mind when I thought about this. And I want to read a few verses out of Psalms, the 116th chapter, <clears throat> starting at verse 1. And it says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. When I read through that, there was a couple things that popped out of me initially. Uh, Here you have a picture of a man that is going through his life. And the way he describes uh, his journey or parts of his journey along the road of life is the sorrows of death compassed me. That means they surrounded me. And the pains of hell got hold of me. That sounds terrible. And he says, I found trouble and sorrow. And one interesting thing that we all can uh, probably wholeheartedly, amen, is that as we travel through life, trouble and sorrow are going to find us. And now I'll be the first to admit that a lot of the troubles and a lot of the sorrows that we experience, uh, we bring on ourselves. A lot of the troubles I've got or experienced over time is maybe because i made bad decisions or whatnot. But trouble and sorrow sometimes is my own fault. Sometimes I go looking for it. And uh, like the good old advice people give you, don't go looking for trouble. It just seems like it's in our nature to find trouble. But even if we were exactly where we were supposed to be, doing exactly what we needed to be doing in a way that pleased the Lord, we are going to experience trouble and sorrow. I doubt there's anybody in this on this earth that has been here very long that couldn't say, "Yeah, I I have found trouble and sorrow, and I wasn't even looking for it, and I wasn't doing anything that really should, you know, uh, give anybody reason to think that I was to blame for it." You know, you're riding down the road, and uh, you know, you're you're driving the speed limit, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, and then somebody else runs a red light and hits you, and next thing you know, you're laid up in the hospital with trouble. Not your fault. the Bible tells us that time and chance happeneth to us all. And that means that uh, as we go through life, sometimes because we are in a fallen creation and we are fallen beings and corrupt beings, you're going to have trouble. What does Jesus say? I think it's in John the 16th chapter that in this world ye shall have tribulation. You can't escape it. You can go and isolate yourself. And the next thing you know, there's some disease that has crept up inside your body that's just there Simply because time and chance happens to us. You know, I think about the uh, young Shelton that we know. uh, You know, our boys have spent a little bit of time with him. He's not out looking for trouble. Trouble just happened. Mm -hmm. And so when trouble happens, as the saying goes, who are you going to call? And here he says, sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. But he says twice in the first four verses there, he says that I will call upon him. He says, I called upon the name of the Lord. He said, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Now, a very famous verse, a very powerful verse that we know in the Bible is Romans ten thirteen. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now. Now. We know, and and, and this is not my topic this morning, but the the context of that whole chapter there is Paul writing saying, you need to be saved from the effects of not having your beliefs lined up exactly right. You need to be saved. And he even uses the word ignorance. He says you need to be saved from your ignorance, believing that your righteousness is established by what you do Not by the work and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, this is not an eternal chapter here. This is not a verse that talks about eternal ramifications. But the the verse there is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And maybe sometimes we as primitive Baptists shy away from that verse a little bit. Because it is very misunderstood. But the truth of the fact is, is there's a very powerful verse that says to us that when we find ourselves in trouble and sorrow to call upon the name of the Lord and there is a deliverance and a salvation in that. Amen. Because the Lord, this is what the psalmist writes. He says, I love the Lord. Why do you love the Lord? He says, because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. You know, it's a good thing to be heard. Uh, have you ever been talking to somebody and not been heard? not been listened to. It's not a great feeling. You can tell that you're just pouring out something here and they're either distracted or, uh, and I'm guilty of this too, very guilty. And I'm sorry if I've done this to you, but have you ever been talking to somebody and all of a sudden they pull this out and they start <coughs> running I've done that to people. And I've had people done that to me and it makes you just want to be like, I'm just going to quit talking. We like to be heard. And he said, I love the Lord because he heard me. He heard me and I, He heard my voice and He heard my supplication. And I think we have forgotten as children of God, we have forgotten the power of God. He's not just a name. He's not just some distant being. I think we read the Scriptures and we read the things that the Lord has done and, about, and, the, and, and, and throughout time, And we kind of disconnect with that. We kind of think, yeah, He parted the Red Sea and and there was a great deliverance there, but that was back then. That was like another time, another place, and almost like we would say another God. But that's the same God. The same God that we call out to today. The same God that the psalmist called out to and was heard. But I think sometimes we forget To call upon the name of the Lord, we forget that the scripture tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We forget that. And we don't see the Lord as being the powerful God that he really is. Mm -hmm. And so when trouble and sorrows, whether we find it or it finds us, we begin to try to untangle that web with everything but prayer first. You know, I think about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us, and I think, you know, again, everything that's in this Bible is there for a reason. And the Bible tells us that she tried everything. Mm -hmm. And the Lord was last on her list. Well, what did that get her? Mm -hmm. It made her broke. Because the Bible says she spent all that she had on physicians that couldn't help her. And she was not only better, she was worse, is what the Bible tells us. So, sometimes when we put the Lord last... We find ourselves in a lower state by the time we get there than if we'd have just gone to Him first. So don't forget the power of God. Don't forget how powerful God is. And I want to look at a few examples here of men that called upon the name of the Lord. If you go to Matthew, the eighth chapter, for a second, and you could stand up here probably for hours and talk about examples of when men or women. Called upon the name of the Lord, and he heard their cry, and he answered their cry. He intervened in a powerful and mighty way. Now I'll go ahead and say this: just because he doesn't intervene in the way that you think he should, and maybe even you are, um, maybe even you find yourself a victim of trouble and sorrow, and when he says that the, it says uh, the pains of hell got me, got me is what the Bible says. G A T. When you find yourselves in the clutches of death and the the most tremendous sorrow in the world, so much so that it ushers you up to your death, he still delivers his people. Don't forget that. In Matthew, the eighth chapter, we find in verse 23, we find the disciples and we find Jesus uh, entering into a ship. And it says, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples Followed him. Now, let me stop right there and give you this. If you're, if you're under the, the illusion that following the Lord is always going to lead to worldly peace and comfort and safety, you are mistaken. Amen. Okay, but here it says specifically that his disciples followed him. Now, what would you be thinking if you were his disciples? All right, what have they seen? Uh, They've just seen a centurion servant healed. They've just seen Peter's mother-in-law healed. So they are not ignorant to who Jesus is and how powerful he is. And so he goes into the ship and they follow him. Well, why wouldn't you? Of course you're going to follow him because you've seen what he can do. And they're probably thinking in their minds, hey, we get to go on a boat ride with Jesus. We get to get in this boat and we're going to go across the sea. What wonderful things He's probably going to tell us. And we're, we're you know, he, he may share with us and He's not sharing with anybody else. This is great. Let's go on a boat trip with Jesus. That's what I would be thinking. What's bad about this? Why wouldn't you follow Him? And it says, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship... Was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. When a ship is covered with waves, you're going down. Okay, this is a terrible, terrible storm. Now, be honest with yourselves. You have seen these miracles from Jesus. He's gone into the ship. You have followed him. Only to find yourself at death's doorstep. Hey, you talk about trouble and sorrow finding you. Trouble and sorrow found these people, and they are to, at the point that they believe that they that this is an impending doom. Death is at is, there's not a whole lot of other options. What would I have done? I'd have said, "Man, we should have stayed on the shore." I shouldn't have got in this boat. I just I would much rather be standing on that shore in that little shelter over there and watching this thing than to be in the midst of it. But that's what happens. You follow Jesus, you're going to find yourselves in the midst of some storms. Now, are they better off in that boat or on that shore? Well, we know the end of the story. They were much better off in the boat. And they experienced something in that boat that they would not have gotten to experience standing safely on the shore. Having not followed Jesus. So they follow Him. They get in the boat and the ship is about to sink and, and apparently the waves are so tremendous you never could have you know, swam your way out of there. And they are certain they're about to die and Jesus is asleep. Now, as, as a child and really as, even as an adult, that has always really perplexed me. Like how, how, Number one, how do you sleep through that? Amen. How do you sleep through that? And, and why was He asleep? And the more I thought about that, and again, everything in the Bible is in there for a reason. If he would have been standing in the middle of them watching all of this happen, they really wouldn't have had to go to him and put the effort into seeking him out. That's why I think he was asleep. He was asleep to show His disciples there's going to come times in life when you're in the midst of a storm because you followed Me. you still got to seek Me out in those moments. Another thing I think they probably learned from that was the things that terrify us, they don't bother the Lord at all. The things that shake us to our core do not rattle the Lord. Now, I like to have people like that. Uh, One thing I think that that we all need in life is stability. I think one of the greatest things that you can give young children is stability. Stability in the home, stability in the marriage, stability in their parents' jobs. They need stability. They like stability. And that's an important thing And when you've got somebody you know is going to bring a measure of stability to your life. I like those people. And here you've got somebody that is asleep in this boat that they know we can go to and call upon. And just like the psalmist says, he will hear us and hear our supplications. And this is what they say to him. His disciples came to Him and awoke Him, saying, Lord, save us. Now go back to Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What are they doing? And what are they seeking? They're calling upon the name of the Lord and they're looking for salvation. They're not... Let me tell you, hell is not on their minds. Heaven is not on their minds. Drowning is on their minds. Amen. That's what they're afraid of here. This, there's nothing here that indicates that they are thinking in an eternal sense. They are thinking here, now, since. Amen. And they do what Romans 10, 13 says to do. They called upon the name of the Lord. They said, Lord, save us. It is a, they are living out Romans 10, 13. Amen. And they said, we perish. Unless you do something, we're goners. Now, I wonder if there would have been other options there. Would they have done this first or would they have done this last? And maybe they did. Maybe they were saying to each other, you better get the buckets out and start shoveling water out of here. And they do that, and the more that they shovel out, the more comes in. I wonder if finally somebody said, okay, I guess we need to wake him up. Or if they immediately said, Hey, we need to get the Master. What is the song we sing, Master, the tempest is raging? They said, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful? Because he's not. O oh, ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obeyed? Now, let me flip over just a few chapters here to Matthew the 14th chapter. Somewhat of a similar situation. Matthew the 14th chapter in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, from what I read, and there's this account is in the other Gospels, this isn't quite the storm that we just talked about in Matthew the 8th chapter. But what you find is these men are in a ship, and it doesn't have an outboard motor. It doesn't have a sail. They're rowing, the Bible tells us. And they're rowing, but if you've ever tried to row a boat and the wind is really whipping and you're trying to go against the wind, it's not a lot of fun. And so these men are in a storm, but it's not quite to the level of the other storm, and, but they're struggling. And I think that we see that in life. Look, I've got some storms that are not near as great as other people's storms, but that doesn't mean I don't call on the Lord for my own storm. And it says, in the fourth watch, which for us would be about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., early, early, early in what we would call the morning. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You know, the encounters that the disciples had with the Lord and the the sea, they're they're quite numerous. And there's some very interesting encounters that they have, And so in the midst of all this toil and rowing and the frustration that, you know, to me, this would have been more frustration than fear. uh, As far as the rowing part goes. Now, they were a little bit afraid when they saw him because they weren't sure it was him. And then he says, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. And Peter answered Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. It says, but now you picture that. All right. It's, it's pretty incredible that he speaks two chapters or, or seven or eight chapters, six chapters before. He speaks and the winds and the waves obey him. And they think, man, will, will we ever see anything greater than that? Well, how about this? Now Peter is walking on the water at the commandment of the Lord. But he does what we all would probably do. It says, When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying what? Lord, save me. Romans ten thirteen. what does it say? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here again, he's crying out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, do you see the couple just this is just a few of the several, several examples in the Bible where people found themselves in the midst of trouble and sorrow, fear, angst. And they called upon the name of the Lord. What do we do? We start Googling for solutions. Really? I mean, I'm just as guilty of that as everybody else. Oh, i got a problem. Let me see how to fix it. What does Google say about how to fix my problem? How often do we wait till that problem has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse before we ever really... I'm not talking about in a robotic, you know, just kind of a robotic kind of way that we go to the Lord in prayer. I'm talking about a heartfelt lord do you hear me prayer we go back to psalms 116 for just a second i'm going to flip over there and finish for that it says in verse 12 what shall i render unto the lord for all his benefits toward me i will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the lord Every single one of us in here are going to be like this brother that says sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. There are many blessings in this life and there are many joyous times. But listen, when all my ducks are in a row and everything is wonderful and great, I don't know what's waiting on me tomorrow. I don't know if time and chance are sitting there tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. that something is going to jerk the rug out from under me and I'm going to find myself surrounded by the pains of hell. Who are you going to call? We're going to Google. We're going to call Mama. What are we going to do? I encourage you, the first thing you need to do is to lay hold of Romans 10, 13 and say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't look at the Lord as some distant entity that is not involved in His children. Because if you remember in Matthew, the 14th chapter, Jesus was coming to them before any of this transpired. He is a Lord that is near and is looking for the lost sheep. He is wanting to help His children. What, what parent doesn't love to see their children with a need? He is wanting to help and he is wanting and waiting to hear. Don't let him be your last option. Go to him in prayer immediately, trusting, trusting that the Lord will hear his people and say to yourselves, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation, timely salvation. Take the cup of timely salvation and call on it. Amen. Because he's near and he's waiting. Amen. I hope that's been profitable. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.